Welcome to Quantum Business Insights, Emerging Perspectives on People, Process, and Profits. Your host is Olivia Parr-Rood. In today's fast-paced, high-tech global economy, the business landscape is constantly evolving. To be successful, companies must continually adapt as well as identify and exploit new opportunities. Now, here is the host of Quantum Business Insights, Olivia Parr-Rood. Hi, Olivia here. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights, where each week we explore new perspectives on the changing nature of business with thought leaders from around the world, and with a special emphasis on what I feel is our most valuable asset, our human capital. So today, back by popular demand, I'm delighted to have Mitch Ditkoff. We'll be discussing Wisdom at Work, Unleashing Innovation Through Deep Dialogue. So before we get started, let me remind you about Mitch. He is the co-founder and president of Idea Champions, a management consulting and training company that specializes in helping organizations originate breakthrough products and services and establish dynamic, sustainable cultures of innovation. In 2010 and 2011, Mitch was voted as the number one innovation blogger in the world and is now a regular contributor to the Huffington Post. His widely read blog, The Heart of Innovation, is a daily destination for a global audience of movers and shakers, and you can get that at ideachampions.com. Mitch, welcome back to Quantum Business Insights. You, Olivia. I'm happy to be back. Great. So, many of my listeners work with data, either directly as analysts and statisticians like me who massage the data into digestible forms and we make predictions and we populate dashboards, and then others use it indirectly as consumers of that data, managers, CEOs, CFOs, and they comb over those dashboards looking for patterns and trends that inform them about how to drive their business. And access to this data and the patterns that come up reveal some really interesting insights that give us um, marginal improvement in marketing and operations. And, and sometimes those margins can translate into huge impact on the bottom line. But with everybody getting into the game of using data and business intelligence, the competition is catching up and the playing field is leveling out. So the pressure is on us to find new ways to compete. And I'm intrigued by your concept of wisdom at work as a new way of actually providing information. So what do you mean by wisdom at work, and how can I get some? (laughs) Uh, Great (laughs) question. Well, you already have some, so uh, it's not about getting any. Uh, You have it. Everyone does. Everyone has a a wellspring of wisdom and a depth of insight uh, inside of them. It's just that it often goes ignored or untapped. And in organizations, uh, there aren't very many um, intentional processes uh, or forums designed to help people get at it. Um, Just getting back to your first uh, comment uh, about data, uh, nothing wrong with data. Data is part of a a continuum of, of, of resources available to every business and every person that, if used wisely, can certainly move the needle and help things uh, progress and succeed. But data, mm-hmm. as you know, is only part of the story. You know, there's data that right. hopefully turns into information. Information hopefully turns into knowledge. 
but knowledge eventually has to turn into wisdom, and that is the right oh. application of all that good stuff. Einstein, okay. who is, uh, <clears throat> I guess you could say, one of my heroes, uh, <laughs> is famous for having said, not everything that, can, not everything that counts can be counted, and not everything that can be counted counts. Interesting. So he, like many others, are referring to uh, an aspect of life, an aspect of, of, the, of human consciousness or intelligence that's not necessarily about metrics and numbers and data. It's something else. And, and that is part of what every business and every business person needs to be able to access if they want to be able to really have some quantum leaps, not just the incremental leaps. Well, that's interesting because we often think about CEOs having really good insights or quant- uh, gut feeling, so maybe that's what they're tapping, right? That's how they get to where they are. Well, often it's true. And, you know, there are a lot of CEOs, a lot of senior leaders who are very intuitive, and they have great insights, um, though they uh, are likely to... Um, introduce their insights with data as a way to soften, you know, the conversation because most people don't trust hunches or intuitions. Um, And so so even though we have it and often we operate on our gut feels or intuitions, we usually mask it with a bunch of data to make it go down easy. So if we have an insight, we may have to go scrambling for stuff to support it, perhaps. Many people do. Many people do. They have something they want to say, a message they want to deliver, and they preface it by citing statistics. Uh, That The statistics really appeases the so-called left brain. That's the analytical, logical, linear part of ourselves. And once that's at, at bay, then, you know, something else can come in. But when that thing is is cranky, and it's usually cranky for numbers and proof, then mm-hmm. statistics and data is often a way of, of uh, feeding it um, something so it can rest. Okay. So let's say we want to get to this wisdom. What are some vehicles that you're using that help people access this wisdom? Well, I have begun, uh, well, let me just start by saying this. I've noticed in the work that I've done with organizations since 1987 uh, in scanning what I do that works and scanning what my clients do that works, I've noticed that again and again, it's the telling of stories that really have impact, stories well told. And not stories to distract or to just entertain or, or uh, you know, uh, delight people, but stories mm-hmm. that have embedded within them some kind of message, some kind of truth or principle. And it's the telling of stories that if I were to deconstruct everything that I do to get results, and it's really results about helping organizations and teams within them and the individuals within those teams to have a greater chance of innovating and, and, and uh-huh. thinking out of the box. It's the telling and the listening to story that makes the biggest difference. If you think oh. about civilization since the beginning of time, doesn't matter where, 
uh, and what their politics or philosophy was or is, that mm-hmm. civilizations <clears throat> have a, uh, a way of passing on wisdom via the telling of story. And right. if you look at <clears throat> all of the, the great books or the, the great scriptures, mm-hmm. one way of, of, of describing them, they're, they're storybooks. They're, they're full of uh, allegories and parables which are basically ancient truth distilled down into the telling of a story that anyone can get. So there's ah, a transmission like <laughs> that mm. the story is the vehicle to trans- transmit something meaningful to. Okay. I often think of Aesop's fables, so that would be another example. Of... That would be another example, absolutely. And fairy tales for our children growing up. We want our kids to be wise. We want our kids to be informed. We want them to make right choices, and we tell them stories. And in the stories, there is Mm -hmm. a message, and these are human principles that are hidden or or subtly expressed through the telling of the story. So everybody really has a connection to this. Even many cultures, if if they before they could write things down had oral traditions that Absolutely. were passed around on. around the campfire it's very tribal it's very primal before there was lang- before there was written language there were people orally told the stories of their ancestors right. or the gods or whatever their primary yeah. messages were to the next generation and well, really did. smart organizations and many have already use this phenomenon to their benefit by telling and retelling the story of their founding, of the early mm-hmm. days. If you, if you rewind the tape uh, for Apple Computer, there was the classic story of Steve Jobs and Wozniak in the garage and flying mm-hmm. the pirate flag over Apple. Those are all stories that embed a mm-hmm. kind of a principle or an essence that they wanted to communicate that had a lot to do with the value of what they were all about. That's so interesting because I can't help but think of families and how they used to do that at night before we had TV or radio. And we've really gotten away from a lot of that, but it's such an important way of understanding ourselves, I would think, um, outside of the business. Absolutely. And, and part, of, uh, part of what I'm trying to reignite is the, the root of what you just referred to, mm. whereby people come out from behind the screen of their smartphone or their laptop, and they get out from their cubicle or their office and their email and find a way in small groups mm-hmm. to gather together and in a safe, and supportive environment, you know, with, a, with just a light, lightly structured situation to share their stories, what I call moments of truth, about mm-hmm. remarkable things that have happened to them, either on the job or in their life, that has embedded within them great insight, great learning, even breakthroughs that once communicated can catalyze that same quality in the people that are listening, and it opens up a conversation or a dialogue that enables people to really get at some real root core truths that can help them succeed in the workplace and at life. 
Mm. Do you have some examples of companies with whom you've worked that did this? And tell me about that, if you would. Well, I'm beginning to bring this to my clients, yes. Uh, uh, Chubb Insurance is one of uh, my clients, and uh, I typically do a uh, half-day workshop on innovation for their high-potential leaders. And um, at night, typically, you know, the nights are dinner and schmoozing or people go back and do their email and <laughs> watch uh, ESPN highlights for the men and the women. I don't know what they do. Um, <laughs> and I, I just ask my client, like, let's, let's try this at night. Let's try a wisdom. I explained what a wisdom circle was, and, and she which was very open, very willing to try stuff, and we did. And it was voluntary. Uh, we announced it at the end of, of my workshop, and um, eight people showed up, you know, with uh, only wow. a, the barest understanding of what they were walking into. So how and, many were there all together? Eight uh, out of how many? Eight, eight people. And eight I, out of, like, how many had the option? Eight out of 35. Oh, so about, that's whatever great. that is, about 25% of them said yes. There's, that's hey, there's, great. There's some data. There's a statistic. Yeah, um, a little less than a fourth. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, for 90 minutes, uh, I facilitated what I call a wisdom circle in which um, ground rules are set. They understand what the purpose is. I begin by telling one from my life, from my business life. So I kind of prime the pump. People see what it's like. They get to ask me questions and share their perspectives uh, so that I, I can get even more value than I think I get from even telling the story, and then I open it up to the group, and I ask uh, who has a story to tell, and, mm. you know, there's the uh, predictable silence, <laughs> people <laughs> look to each other like, oh, I'm not going to go first, and then, mm. you know, somebody says, yeah, I got one, and they tell their story, and, um, you know, the basic process is simple, they, they speak, um, if they're needing to uh, kind of just open up the story a little bit. I have a few questions I can ask them, and after they're done, I toss it over to the rest of the group, and they get a chance to share their reflections and their uh, questions for the storyteller. So we, we kind of explore or dig in to what that mm. was about and how that has impacted their life on the job, at work, that's, and in their life. Great. And then other people get a chance to extract the key principles or the key uh, clues embedded in that story, and they also get to apply that to their life or their work life. So we're really trying to open up a, a level of awareness and access to some real core truths that impact the way people operate on the job uh, as opposed to just sort of going through the motions. So I'm curious, how did the leadership feel afterwards? Were they oh, they loved surprised? It. Oh, loved it. Well, that's great. My, my client was in was in the session. She 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 participated, and oh, that's you know amazing. she was very acknowledging of of the uh, impact of this, and uh, you know very excited to see it happening. Every client I've shared this with, by the way, so far, and I, I've only shared it with about five. Uh, they all have this very positive regard for it. They go, oh, we need this. This is something we need. Um, wow. Th- think back to the 80s, and I'm not sure if everybody who's listening, uh, you know, has, will remember <laughs> was this. born. There used to be something <laughs> called quality circles. 
And this was a way in which organizations got groups together, small groups, to see if they could figure out some better ways of getting stuff done. You know, whatever, cost-cutting okay. or improving a process or finding a better way. The, the premise being that resident in the minds and the intelligence and the experience of, of the workforce are lots of good ideas that if we could only get our folks together to, and have a forum for them to share it, everyone would benefit. So those, for a while, were very successful. But if you look at what they were, it's really very transactional, kind of, to me, okay, you know, incremental improvements and so forth. Useful, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to be really excited to go to one. The wisdom circles take this to the next level, uh, a much higher octave, not just about transaction, but about transformation, not just about Mm. incremental improvements, but about big leaps. And those big leaps are how we operate, who we are in the workplace, how we can get in touch with our hidden genius, uh, the courage and the commitment that we need, resiliency, agility, collaboration, uh, serendipity, trusting our intuition, all these kind of elements that are, that are often a distinguishing factor between somebody who does great work and someone who just sort of goes through the motions. Oh, that's so interesting. Well, we're just up on a break, and so I want to hear more about this wisdom circle idea, and it seems like it's really going to a deeper level. So everyone stay tuned. My guest is Mitch Ditkoff with Idea Champions, and we're talking about wisdom at work and now specifically wisdom circles, and we'll be back in a minute. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Our workplace is dynamically changing. How do you stay ahead of the curve with respect to learning and training? Tune in every week to The Future of Workforce Learning and Development with host Pamela Robinson. You'll learn about real-world strategies, solutions, and resources that will showcase these changes and keep you ready for what's next. The Future of Workforce Learning and Development is heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be, or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr-Rood. To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. 
Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Hi, Olivia here, and I'm with Mitch Ditkoff of Idea Champions. And he's sharing with us a new format that he's using in organizations to really tap into some deep wisdom just with people that are working there um, to get to their insights through storytelling and in a safe sharing environment. And before the uh, break, we were talking about all the the great things we can reach, you know, our intuition, it creates uh, more resilience, we become more adaptable. It's a really transformative process. So I'd like to know, it, perhaps, if you are in a situation where you're asked to come in and facilitate this and it sounds like the one you described before the break people could selectively attend it have you ever uh, facilitated one where people were required to go and how do you work with the group i guess to to create the safety and yeah yeah terrific those are great questions um wisdom circles are completely voluntary they will okay. only work if people want to be there, just like when I go out and do my innovation workshops or, or, or meetings or, or any kind of gathering. Whenever possible, I always try to front load it such that only people who want to be there yeah. are there because it's intrinsic motivation. Someone who has skin in the game or a stake in the ground that is half of the so-called battle. If someone doesn't want to be there, it's just like dead weight. So uh, I'm framing these as voluntary and, of course, um, trying to communicate the value of it ahead of time so that people will want or at least be curious to go. Mm -hmm. Uh, Has anybody ever shown up and said, I don't even know what this is, my... My, I'm a little nervous, or yeah. I really don't think Absolutely. I should be here, but something told me to come, like my intuition, yeah. perhaps. Bingo. Oh. You, you just nailed it, and that's true. The other thing uh, to note, and certainly uh, in the, in the uh, preamble or the invitation to attend one of these, I try to make it as clear as possible that n- you don't have to tell a story at a wisdom circle. <laughs> There's no pressure. You could simply be a listener, because for someone to tell a story, they have to tell it to somebody. So it's as important that there's somebody who is really open-minded, curious, non-judgmental in that circle, who is the uh, receiver of of the storytelling, and then able to uh, respond in various ways. So... Uh, not everybody who attends is required. No one is required, actually, uh, to tell a story. If no one is willing to tell a story, I'll tell them. You know, as, <laughs> as the default condition, I have plenty uh, from the last 25 years of, of uh, working with large and mid-sized organizations all around the world. I've collected them, my own wisdom stories, because I've become fascinated at at this phenomenon. So I've, I've been using myself as a laboratory to notice, collect, and then write and tell my own wisdom stories as a, an example 
you know, like as a way for people to help people get in the zone so they can find their stories. Oh, that's fascinating. I, I was imagining, and I'd love to know if this has ever happened, there, there are people who don't share a lot, perhaps in meetings, because they're intimidated in the, in the more analytical world or the more um, knowledge data world, but that by attending something like this and then they hear a story, they may be inspired to share in a very non-linear way. And so you could pull things out of people that perhaps aren't, aren't very vocal normally. Has that ever happened? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, uh, Olivia, uh, I'm now starting to bring uh, wisdom circles or aspects, elements of a wisdom circle, right into my uh, quote-unquote normal uh, (laughs) innovation work. So if I have a day with a group of people, um, I am now embedding a wisdom circle module in that session uh, as another way to accomplish the results. It, 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 clients are all about results. If they don't get results, I don't get invited right. back. They don't mm-hmm. really care what I do uh, <laughs> as long as I get results. So my path has been for the last 25 years to find new and better ways of getting results. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know what doesn't work, and I've tried just about everything, and I know that a lot of people are addicted to what doesn't work because it's familiar. Yeah. So showing a uh, you know, text-heavy PowerPoint show with lots of uh, small print and facts and figures about innovation isn't going to make a difference. It isn't going That's... to have any impact. It'll be forgotten within 11 seconds. So what does... People will probably be turned off by it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It has, a, it has a negative effect. So... Um, I find that what I'm calling wisdom circles or using uh, conscious telling of story, which is another way of saying a really good best practice. Ah. Best practice might be the uh, conventional phrase that that most business people would nod their head and go, oh, yes, we need to share best practices. Mm. But within that domain of best practices, what is the best of best practices that one could share with another person or a group? That's what the wisdom circles are about. Fascinating. Well, so uh, I understand you're coming out with a book called uh, Wisdom at Work, which I want to explore later in the show. But in that, pre- you sent me a preview of it. You talk about your inner GPS. And so what is your inner GPS and how could one access that? Oh, now we're getting very, very, this is a big question. Okay, I'll try to keep this simple. Well, I would say that what I mean by GPS, you know, the global positioning system, Mm. uh, it's a way that each person, each of us is guided. How we choose, how we navigate our way through the maze, through the world, through the company culture, through a marriage, through anything. What is that mechanism within a person that knows or knows even without knowing, sometimes called unconscious competency? There is something innate that is a given that everybody has that we can depend on but we often don't trust. 
lots of people try lots of different things to access this. Some try therapy, some try meditation, some try yoga, some might just give me a glass of wine and I'll, I'll, <laughs> my GPS will be totally on fire. No. <laughs> That's probably um, true. So it, uh, there's no one size fits all or there's no you know, one right way, but there is something that everybody who's listening to this interview, and you and I included, that moves us with uh, skillfulness through the uh, sometimes dizzying array of choices and decisions that have to be made. And mm. ultimately, if you want to get down to the, the real root definitions of wisdom, that's what the definition of wisdom is, the judicious application of knowledge, the mm. ability to see what needs to be done and to do it successfully without being told what to do. That's a wise person. And right. every one of us has that quality in us. Unfortunately, it sometimes becomes buried or is inaccessible, especially if you look at a day on the job in most organizations where there's such rush and such tumult, so many opinions, so much stuff to do, we kind of toss out our wisdom, you know, to, to get stuff done. Yeah, I'm thinking we have to engage that left brain, and that may be blocking us from allowing uh, us to go into maybe our whole brain or access that that inner wisdom that that is so guiding. And it, it, it's what they were talking about in the book Blink, right? That yeah. instantaneous. Tr- and we, I think we've all had the experience where, when we get it, we know we we're just sure. Um, at least. Yes. <laughs> and here's the I, thing, Olivia, that's so fascinating. There are very few forums on the job in an organization or even in daily life. Uh, mm-hmm. And you, by the way, uh, I want to acknowledge you, you've created a forum right here on Voice America in this interview <laughs> to mm-hmm. have a communication of something that is a bit intriguing or maybe a bit uh, you know, uh, worth contemplating. That, that most people don't take time out of the day to consider. But what if an organization who understood that you say, and I say as well, that the biggest resource of a company is human capital, mm-hmm. it's not you know, financial capital or, or real estate, it's human capital. And then if mm-hmm. you go, well, what is the core of human capital? If you were to just dig through all of the possibilities... At the core of a human being, there is a great sense of consciousness, awareness, uh, savvy, lucid choice-making, creativity, innate ability to discover and invent and create. That quality, everybody has it, but there's no simple way that organizations offer their workforce to help get at it. And so what I'm saying, and this, by the way, a wisdom circle doesn't necessarily have to cost a penny. It's really saying, get your people together. Get them talking to each other in a way that's meaningful. Get them sharing the best of what they could possibly share with each other 
to learn from each other and then apply those learnings to their real-time challenges because in a wisdom circle, part of the pre-work is people show up having identified a challenge or an opportunity or a problem, something they're working on that they could frame as a question beginning with the words, how can I or how can we? And in the wisdom circle, they have opportunities to reconsider their challenge or opportunity applying the essence of the stories that are being told to help them get off of their stuckness and open things up. So it's a great door opener to possibility. Oh, that's interesting. And when you were talking earlier about Steve Jobs and, and Wozniak in, their, in the garage, in a way I could think that that was sort of a wisdom circle where they were probably trying to solve a problem and they were so innovative and, and probably just sitting around and talking and, and telling stories and, and what came out Absolutely. of that. Absolutely. If you think, you know, a, a client of ours uh, for years was Goodyear Tire and we work with the tire technology division. These are the, the folks that create treads on tires. It's a, the whole universe of tire treads. And when I asked them how innovation happens at Goodyear, they told me that innovation happens underground, that it happens in the intersections between different groups of people, disparate groups of people who typically wouldn't be talking to each other. But it's in that exchange, in that rich exchange, also known as dialogue, where something new emerges. And in, it's that new thing, which is the seed of innovation. So if you can get people together in small groups and get them focused on sharing something meaningful and digging in, what typically will happen is something will get sparked. And that thing that gets sparked has the potential to be, as your show is called, quantum insights, a quantum insight where somebody in that circle actually has an aha, not an incremental improvement, but a whoa, like yikes, wow, I could do this, or I never looked at it that way, or oh my God, that's the missing piece. And then they start to, with the right facilitation, because the wisdom circle has to be facilitated in a conscious, purposeful way, with the right facilitation, that person can make the link between what they just heard and what they're doing, and then what they're doing starts to really become something real rather than just, oh, I have a problem to solve and I, I don't want to bother with it. So we're trying to free up, you know, a kind of a, a innate, pre-existing resource called wisdom and insight that is buried. And that's what wisdom circles do. It frees it up. And you're saying everybody has this, right? Everybody has it. Everybody has it. That's the thing that's so amazing. The other amazing thing is some people will uh, believe, I will say they'll assume that they have nothing to share, Mm -hmm. that they have nothing to say, that they are not whatever enough, that their story doesn't matter, it's trivial, it's not significant. But if you help them get at, and as pre-work for going to a wisdom circle, people identify 
a story worth telling. So they have it, and then they're surprised that they have it, and then they're kind of shy to tell it. But if they start to tell it, you can see in the circle around them that people are going, yeah, right on, keep going, that's great, I get it. Oh, same thing for me. Let's go for it. Hmm. But you know, I could Im- yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say I could imagine if any of my listeners are parents that that's a gift they could give to their children to actually let them talk and share, especially when they're very excited about something, and just hear them to give them that safety that then they can carry into adulthood, so that they feel really safe sharing with people and, um, you know, not just the confidence that it would give them. I can imagine a lot of adults that are afraid to share may have been traumatized when they were younger. Oh, boy, you got that right. And, and there's another aspect to that, Olivia, which is I'm glad you brought it up. There are, uh, and I don't know the percentage of people, <laughs> but I do know there are a lot of people who, whose process of creating something or innovating is very much connected to talking it out. Mm-hmm. Like yes. they go, I don't know what I really think until I hear myself say it. <laughs> they process while they're talking. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I have a girl. <laughs> I have a friend. Storytelling like is one way of speaking it out. So it's not unlikely that someone who is in a wisdom circle who has the courage and the willingness to tell their story, as they tell it, they're starting to actually have insights just by speaking it out. Mm, that's beautiful. Now, the, the challenge uh, is the listening. Because if you look at most companies, everyone is moving so fast, and what, mm. what, what passes for listening is often just one person impatiently waiting for the other person to finish so that they can tell the other person what they think. Yes. They already have their pre-programmed wrap all ready to go, and they're just they're sort of enduring <laughs> another person's, come on, hurry up, I, I, I know what you're going to say, you know, that kind of yeah. mode. Or, or their response to top it, for example. Oh, you know? completely. So, yeah. you know, part of this is about developing the art of listening. Mm. And just imagine what benefits could accrue to a company if more people, managers and leaders included, would be more skillful and more genuine in the way in which they listen to others. It's so important. Actually, in my book, Business Intelligence Success Factors, I have a whole section on the art of listening. It's, well, there you go. It is... It's so critical, and again, it's important for business and in life. So I love the way this whole idea kind of translates. And I think when people are heard, they're happier. So you're you're creating more productive workers as well. well I would. Think. You you just built the bridge to one other point I haven't yet made around wisdom circles. So what are the benefits? Well, so well, that's a great place where. We're up on a break, and so how okay. about we take the break, and then Let's we'll just take it home with benefits and more Bingo. about your book. All right. So stay tuned. I'm here with Mitch Ditkoff of Idea Champions, and we'll be right back. Music. 
From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Does your business, like many, face obstacles to becoming successful? Would you love to have an open forum of entrepreneurial ideas and best practices brought to you each week? Tune in for The Second Stage with hosts Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. We'll spotlight entrepreneurs and growing companies that are creating a vibrant economic base, as well as addressing some of the obstacles that could be standing in the way of your success. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr Rood. To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Hi, Olivia here, and I'm with Mitch Ditkoff of Idea Champions, and we're talking about wisdom at work, and specifically a vehicle for uh, unveiling this wisdom that's innate in the organization and the people within it called wisdom circles. And so before the break, we were talking about some of the skills that are needed and some of the actions people can take to make them work, and then what I'd love to know, uh, what are some of the benefits and yeah. how can we sell it to organizations? Yeah, that's, uh, that's the uh, $64,000 million <laughs> question. And I've thought about it in great depth and I actually have a response. <laughs> Yay. Because uh, the companies that are intrigued by this, unless they see the value, they're not going to pull the trigger. It'll be like, oh, that, that's a nice to have uh, airy-fairy woo-woo thing. And it's not. So here, here is the value. First thing is it radically increases workforce engagement. Mm. Many companies are trying to figure out how do we engage the workforce. We have lethargic, uninvolved, uninspired, semi-committed, punch-in and punch-out workforce. How do we engage people? Well, wisdom circles is certainly one way to engage people. People get inspired, they get motivated, they get on fire, they feel heard, they get to express, they get to connect, they get majorly engaged. So that's, that's number one. Mm-hmm. The second thing it does is it leverages on-the-job learning, or what some companies refer to as making tacit knowledge explicit. So mm-hmm. tacit knowledge uh, is... Uh, that which we know, but don't know how to communicate what we know. Mm-hmm. So for other people, it remains a mystery. In, mm-hmm. in, if you look at the, uh, the transmission of wisdom or skill, many uh, countries, many uh, guilds, they have apprentices. 
and you work alongside the master. You work alongside somebody who's highly skilled, and you learn what they know by working next to them. If they were just to make a, a sheet of paper and say, do these eight things to be a great welder, it wouldn't necessarily translate because that tacit knowledge can't be made explicit just by giving people a, a, a punch list of 10 things to do. Most companies have that addiction to communicating tacit knowledge in a way that's ineffective. So an, a wisdom circle helps make tacit knowledge, the real juicy stuff, explicit. So that's very powerful, leveraging on-the-job learning. The third thing powerful. it does is it sparks insight, clarity, and breakthrough. Because in the listening to the stories and in the, the act of the facilitator working with that group, that facilitator helps the listeners apply the essence of every story to their own work-life challenges, and it sparks insight and, in some cases, breakthrough. Oh. It certainly also offers a platform or a forum for sharing best practices because mm-hmm. you could, on one way, describe a wisdom circle as a high-octave best practice forum. So companies are always trying to figure out how do we share best practices. They say, yes, it's important, but rarely do they have a way to do so. Wisdom circles can accomplish that. And the last two, it certainly improves employee morale because people Mm -hmm. leave a wisdom circle very inspired and on fire. And lastly, it builds a community and networks of support because the people who attend affiliate with each other. They connect with each other. They develop kind of informal partnerships and little networks of support, and that's uh, critical for uh, a company to really succeed long-term. So there's at least six. I'm sure there's others, but those are six I've identified. Well, so have you had leaders hear that list and say, yes, it's worth it? I mean, obviously you've had some, but... um... I am in the process of communicating this to my existing clients. So this is just in the beginning of getting the word out and uh, passing through the lions at the gate and (laughs) noticing the objections and trying to find a way to uh, make it seamlessly fit with their existing culture so that it's not rejected as another program, which Mm -hmm. is, is not the way to go and meets a, a felt need that they have. So I'm exploring that, even as we speak. So, so would you perhaps work with them to have some sort of future measure of ROI? Ooh. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, that's a, you know like what? Even if it's just a new idea that comes out of that's one. That's a great idea. Happen. Like, what metrics could be appended to this? And how, mm-hmm. how might a company measure the, the outcomes? Uh, I haven't done that. And it's worth considering. And I know there are certain companies or certain clients that would love to be able to see that. Then there's the, the flip side where there are certain things that actually uh, the effort to get metric, you know, metric-driven uh, about it is uh, mm-hmm. not the way to go. And, and the example I give is this. If I give you uh, apple seed and I mm-hmm. say, Olivia, plant this and you're going to have an orchard and have many, many apples, 
and you're mm. in that metric-driven mindset, and you take out your exacto knife, and you, you're going you're <laughs> to cut the seed in half to find the apple, and you're going to say, hey, Mitch, this is, you're selling me a bill of goods. There are no apples in here, oh. and you just kill the seed. So somewhere okay. between that and, me- and metrics that make sense, I'm sure there's a happy middle ground. <laughs> yeah, and I was thinking you could look at other companies that just get a great idea out of whatever vehicle they use and then what that means to their bottom line. But what I felt, sounds like what you're saying is a great idea could most likely come out of a wisdom circle, but then they have to do all the things correctly to create a culture of innovation that takes it eventually to the market and well, gives it yeah, the potential for... Well, yeah, circle really is only one element, you know, of a, of a culture mm-hmm. of innovation. There's so many variables at play for companies who are right. um, acknowledge the need to have a more sustainable culture of innovation, I'd say that a wisdom circle is one aspect of it, probably as a standalone thing. It's not a magic pill, but it's a, a big enabler of it for sure. And I, I know there's just a lot of pressure on companies to innovate, so how wonderful that something is needed that actually also helps people feel better and have better lives and feel heard and seen and all that stuff that we need as humans. Yeah. You know, that's why I love about this work is that it, it helps companies, but it also brings healing, I think, to an yes, organization. Absolutely. And, and that really is what my book is about. Oh, because, good. Uh, I, uh, I realize I have at least 50 uh, r- remarkable moments of truth going out on the road and, and doing my work with all these different kinds of companies from MTV on one end of the spectrum to, uh, you know, uh, just a price warehouse on the other or, a, you know, an allied signal. Um, mm. uh, that, you know, the, the John Lennon quote of life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans. That quote really probably should be on the the front page of the book because what I've noticed is I get hired to go out and do what I do, and I'm prepared. I've done my homework. I've done my due diligence. I have an agenda. I have a design. And then invariably something shows up that's not on the agenda, that wasn't planned for, a surprise, uh, a left turn something that wasn't exactly anticipated. And those moments are so rich for me personally. If I can explore them instead of trying to deflect them and wish they didn't happen, Hmm. really dig in and go, what was that? What was there for me? There was a message. There was a teaching. There was a learning that was very profound that just sort of snuck in the back door. And if I can look at it and extract the value... I will have grown as a human being and somebody who is an innovation consultant. And I'm saying that same thing is happening for all of us. There are things that show up in the course of a day, a week, a month, a life that we didn't anticipate but has embedded within it, if we just dig in and look at it, some great revelation, some great insight, some great breakthrough about really important stuff and that's what my book is about the really important stuff that is happening to us while we're busy making other plans oh, so it sounds like you're saying 
rather than saying, oh, poor me and being a victim, no matter how maybe even awful it was, looking for the lesson and that kind of gem in there that yeah. can help us grow. Yes, and, and that's you, you absolutely. And companies uh, these days, companies are all talking about the need to be more agile and to right. be more resilient and mm-hmm. be more responsive. Well, those qualities are the qualities of being able to go with the flow and to and to be in the moment and to not be stuck in the past and to be stuck in old assumptions. Those are human qualities and. Your mm-hmm. company is not going to be agile and responsive unless the people in your company are agile and responsive. And mm-hmm. Wisdom Circles is one way to help people become more agile and responsive. Oh, that's fascinating. Well, we have about five minutes left. Would you like to share a story that's maybe in your book, or do you have any other thoughts you'd just like to convey to my yeah, listeners? Yeah, I, I will tell a simple little story, and uh, I'll, I'll keep it as short and sweet as possible. Uh, I was uh, hired by GE to be an adjunct professor at their management development center in Crotonville, and my class was called Innovation and Business Growth. So when I was hired, the gentleman who was my uh, you know, internal client said, we give our new uh, instructors two shots at succeeding. The first time we know you're going to be nervous because it's GE. <laughs> <laughs> the second time, you should have learned your lessons of the first time, and if it doesn't work after the second time, we're going to ask you to leave. So, you know, okay, pressure's on to succeed. So preparing for my first one, I got really uh, deep into my, uh, the design of my agenda. And my opening gambit, you know, my opening foray, uh, was actually 45 minutes worth of... Uh, business cases and case studies and statistics and data and proof and th- whatever. And because I was in, G- I'm thinking I'm a GE, I'm going to out-GE the GE folks. So mm-hmm. it didn't work. I mean, as I'm going on and on and on trying to make my case, I can just see I'm basically losing the audience. Mm. And uh, I pressed through. I came out the other side. The day was still successful. They liked it, but I wasn't happy with the first 45 minutes. So mm-hmm. I asked myself, how could I get the same results in much less time? Because really what I was trying to do was engage people and get them to buy into the day. Mm-hmm. So we have about a minute. So <laughs> What? We have about a minute. So okay. Um, just anyway, the next time what I did, I walked out on stage. I looked at them. I say, raise your hand if you're a bold risk taker. No one raised their hand. Finally, somebody did. I invited him up to the front of the stage. I asked him to attack me from behind because I was studying the martial arts at the time. And I used that five-minute martial arts demo to accomplish what, it, what I didn't accomplish in 45 minutes the first time. I got done in five minutes. I took a risk, I got interactive, I made sure they were involved in the demo, not just me, and I had quantum results. So that was a moment of truth for me. I learned something by that that particular moment in time, and now I tell that story to my clients so that they would find a better way to get results done in less time. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today. Um, I really hope you'll come back and visit. There's just so much to talk about here. So I'd be thank happy you. to. I'm thrilled that Great. you asked me. Thank you so much. 
Oh, my pleasure. So next week, my guest will be Tom Oliver, a social entrepreneur, artist, author, philanthropist, and visionary. And he's worked with the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu, as well as the United Nations, the World Bank, and CEOs from Fortune 500 companies throughout the world. And based on a vision and starting a network from scratch, Tom created the World Peace Foundation and the World Peace Festival, which Nobel Peace Prize laureate Desmond Tutu called the most influential peace gathering in history. And we'll be discussing his new book, Nothing is Impossible. So if you want to turn your wildest dreams into tangible reality, be sure to join us next week to learn how. I'm your host, Olivia Parrood, saying thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights and have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights. Please join your host, Olivia Parr-Rood, again next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 